you need both of them. Because if you just run ads and you don't have any branding, your creative for your ads aren't going to do anything because your audience isn't going to connect with it. If they follow you to the website and it's inconsistent, even if they make a purchase, the confirmation email doesn't look the same as the website. Today, I sit down with Rachel, who is not only my girlfriend, but is also an experienced entrepreneur. She runs a branding agency specializing in graphic design, package design, as well as overall brand marketing. And she also runs a rug making business. Uh, this is custom rugs for businesses as well as for individuals. Today, we're going to be talking about everything that goes into branding as well as like what she knows about branding into her rug business and how she was able to grow that. With that being said, I'm Nikita from AspectAgency.com and let's get into the podcast. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure having you on. I've had this podcast for so long, but have not had you on, but welcome. Thank you. It's uh, taking you long enough. I mean, it only took starting two businesses to get here. You pretty much started your business journey when we started dating, so. Yep, almost a year. It's crazy how you go full circle with one business you want to start, and then a year later, it just all lines up. Yeah, exactly. So I know when we first started talking about you getting into business, it was more about like what you're good at. And I know we had like a whole chart that we outlined on your fridge and like obviously not everyone knows the story, but like you were good at graphic design, you're good at a little bit of code, you're good at like doing things with your hands. What's one of the reasons why you decided to go into like graphic design and then eventually into branding? Yeah, so just to give some preempts of like how I got my skills, I went to college for fine arts, so I spent a good solid three years just kind of building up physically making artwork and when I met you that was when I was making the choice of like I know I want to start a business but how do I actually make it successful and starting as just an artist with no idea on how to actually run a business or any marketing or anything like that I was like well what's something that I can quit my job and start today that I can utilize the skills that I already know and start making income and that decision was just like let's get on Upwork, let's start freelancing, getting design work. And as I was doing it, I ended up working for someone who built websites and the number one leading problem that every brand was having and I was, why fulfillment was so hard to actually, you know, fulfill for was because they didn't have any branding. So like they might have like one logo and like four colors, but then there was nothing more. It was very empty and it's hard to build off of something that doesn't have any structure to it. So that's how I ended up starting my own agency into building up actual full personalities for brands so they actually have something to be successful when they do take it to marketing. Yeah, 100%. It's always difficult to start growing anything without any foundation. And I feel like whenever I see a brand deck from a client that I onboard, it's like the glue that keeps it all together. It's like, okay, we know to use these colors. We know how to use this specific imagery or these specific fonts, especially like in our emails or when we ran ads. So the brand decks as well as the brand guidelines are such a huge help. And especially when you're starting your business out, you kind of don't have any of those pieces together. You first start off with the product, trying to sell the product, you set up a basic website. And then like after you've gotten, I don't know, maybe like 20, 30K a month for most businesses, then they're like, 
okay, how do we make this consistent through and through? And that's where you specifically come in, right? Yeah. It's usually when they have a proven product, as in like they've tested it on Amazon, so they know that it sells, they know that it works, and they're ready to double down on it and actually make it their own brand. So sometimes I see people start with drop shipping before they actually release their final product just to see if it's something new to market that will work. And then you want to get into branding. And every business kind of has its own story depending on what the product is. If you're working in like a quote unquote like oversaturated market where like that product already exists, you're not changing anything, you're not doing any substantially different, you need to make sure that your branding is really on spot because that's what's going to bring your customers. And there's so much room in the market, it just depends on who you actually want to reach. And then all your branding is going to follow that. It's like building up a personality and your customers are the friends that you're going to attract while having that personality. So you have to build up what kind of words do you use? What kind of colors do you use? What shape are you going to be using in your text bubbles? What are your call to action buttons going to look like? Every little detail that's branded just builds up people's persona of you. And when people see a product like that, they'll be like, that is me. I resonate with that. And I believe what they believe. So I'm going to purchase from them rather than this other brand. Yeah, you're kind of like s- setting up a cool kids club in, in a way for your company. And it's like, okay, you guys, you guys have got to be a part of it if you identify with these specific things. You're kind of saying that on a more subconscious level uh, when you're presenting your product because people... People don't align with products. They align with companies that fit their goals, their their personality, like you said. So if someone, you know, is very active and very fit, they're going to align with Lululemon. They're going to align with Nike, all of those brands versus like Champion, which is more so like uh, fashion versus utility and, and, and sporting. So when it comes down to it, like how do you mainly service clients so, you know, you're talking about, you know, having all these great ideas and having all these things being aligned with a company, but what are actual things that you do when you onboard a client? Yeah. So when we start onboarding, we'll take them through like a welcome packet just to give them a timeline. But the very first thing that we do before we get to any of the design elements is that we build up a brand strategy. So we not only will go over through like your vision, your mission statement. Um, why do you have your brand? What's your foreseeable future for it? When you're expanding, what's one goal that you want to build for? If you want one of your designs to be in every single household, whenever you're expanding your market, you can think back, is this going to lead back to that main goal? Um, And you also have to think about, since you're working with business owners and this is their baby, you also have to ask about what their personal goals are. Like as a business owner, what's your reason for starting this brand? Where do you want this? What do you want this brand to do for you? Because their personal mission statement is going to be a lot different than their business mission statement. And being able to align those goals will make them a lot happier in the long run and actually make it sustainable. So other than that, we also break down what kinds of things are going to do them the most justice. So like we do a competitor analysis to see how they're going to stand apart in the market. We test their target audience and see what they like, what designs are drawn to. Um, You can design completely differently with the same product, same name, if it's for men or if it's for women in their 30s, you're going to look 180 to each other, even when you get into those psychodemographics. And that all goes back to the messaging you send. So we'll do a full essential business audit and map out the entire direction that you need to take. 
And from that information, all that research, we can then make a brand and a personality that revolves around those goals. Yeah, getting understanding the business, uh, the business owner's goals, as well as the goals that the business owner has for their business are by far the most, I think, underutilized ways of just starting on any project, whether it's email, branding, creative advertising. Because, you know, when you talk with these business owners, they're like, oh, I want to grow my business. It's like, okay, why do you actually need to grow your business? You know, you're making enough money to live, have a comfortable life, take vacations every every couple times a year. So like, why do you actually want to grow their, your business? It's like, well, I actually want to spread charity or I want to start a charity and a foundation to help these specific people. And it's like, okay, how can we take that same exact initiative and make sure that it's well interlaced within your brand? And that's where you can get really creative with things. Yeah, exactly. Because even as you're building your brand, like let's say your brand is just all about fun beach times. And you're like, okay, we have this good vibe going. We have some influencers who are interested. It's like, what kind of things are going to actually boost this? And so there's different actual product strategies that you can get out there. So maybe instead of going to retail, you make a partnership with like a volleyball championship. Or if you're like a mini, there's so many different examples. But let's say you're like a coffee company. Like let's make partnerships with like small town coffee shops. And building up those smaller relationships and partnerships is like, your brand is a personality. Who are your brand's friends? You know, who do they talk to? What kind of other brands are they associated with? It's why every single Starbucks is next to a Chipotle. We talked about this where the <laughs> Starbucks and Chipotle, they have like the same building lease, right? Yes. Yeah, that's for all the people that don't know, uh, Starbucks and Chipotle have like an absurd amount of locations next to each other because they understand the power of branding and they understand that their target demographic not only goes to Starbucks, but they also go to Chipotle. Because we were driving to get Chipotle, and we're like, this is the third Chipotle we've been to that has a Starbucks literally right next door. And we Googled it, and we found out that Starbucks has so many, like thousands of locations next to Chipotle's because that's their target demographic. And you don't have to do it on such a huge scale like Starbucks leasing out thousands of locations. You can do it on a smaller scale, like you said. You can... A lot of brands underutilize those grassroots movements that turn them into a well-known brand. Like you said, you could have these small coffee companies have great relationships with other coffee companies or coffee houses within their local area, within their local metropolitan city, and build up the grassroots movement that way so that people that do go to those shops identify themselves with this brand. And whenever you advertise that brand on Facebook, Google, YouTube, etc., they're like, oh, that's right. I, I get this coffee at this coffee shop. I'm definitely going to buy it. And that branding, funny enough, the foundation of branding is what, you know, empowers brands to grow through branding instead of like, oh, Facebook ads give me this return. It's like, what return does branding actually give you? It's that. Yes. And branding is really on a long-term scale. So when you're investing in it, it's hard to kind of put some people in the mindset of this because you can be like, hey, I'm spending X amount on ads to put out like 10% discount or whatever your campaign is running. And you can see the revenue that you directly get after running those ads. But when you do branding, you're building up everything. So you're not going to see the return on it because it's going to be the way that your brand grows. It's not about the revenue that you get now. 
And it can also save you a lot of money in the future because you don't have to go back and redo things. If you get all your branding kit and everything utilized and understood right in the beginning, you're going to immediately save yourself time on building up your target audience on any social media platform. Um, all your packaging is going to be taken care of, your emails, your ad campaigns. If you try and go and redo that, you're just paying double for your mistakes because now you have to repay your email marketer, repay the website design, your social media manager, your packaging, your manufacturing, and then you have to take like 10 months plus time turnaround, not even just for all the back order and everything, but to rebuild up your audience because now you have to get a whole new demographic to understand who you are. Yeah, I think we did the math on this at one point and I remember we talked about it where when you redo the branding on a on a on a business, you're costing yourself like a hundred to two hundred grand just to rebrand. Not you know, you're not paying the branding agency two hundred grand, but this is all adjacent costs that go into a rebranding. You know, you may have paid a branding agency like five or ten grand to, you know, redo your logo, redo your colors, your fonts, whatever it is. But then you also have the packaging, which is like another fifty to sixty grand, depending on how many uh, pallets you order at a time. Then you also have the website, which is another 10 to 20 grand. Then you have the emails to redesign, the ads to rerun. It all adds up to such a huge amount where it's almost a no-brainer for you to get a branding kit all the way in the beginning or at the early stages where you can afford on a minimal loss versus like a gigantic loss where, you know, you're losing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, exactly. And I guess people end up feeling like branding is like an afterthought or there's like this big like especially in the digital marketing space, there's almost like this unsaid war between like direct response marketing and branding. To But I think there's just not a set expectation for each of them. You need both of them because if you just run ads and you don't have any branding, your creative for your ads aren't gonna do anything because your audience isn't gonna connect with it. If they follow you to the website and it's inconsistent, even if they make a purchase, the confirmation email doesn't look the same as the website you're going to have people immediate have those negative thoughts of, did I just get scammed? Is this even the right product? Am I even going to get it? And that is your first impression that you need to be perfect. So you can't just necessarily jump straight to advertising. But even if you have a brand built up, you need advertisements because you need to tell people that it exists. So there's like two ends of the spectrum and you can't really be all one or all the other and your brand can't just be pretty. You have to actually have steps behind it and at least a little bit of reasoning behind it. I mean, the main purpose of branding for to be pretty, but there's a lot more other steps and partnerships that you can take it a step further. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when it comes down to how do you attribute revenue coming in from branding, it's very difficult to do that because you simply don't know. But I think what does attribute to revenue on the branding side of things is actual word of mouth. You know, you can track revenue from Facebook, you can track revenue from email, you know, all of that. But word of mouth, especially positive word of mouth is very underutilized. And on top of that, it's very fluid. You don't know how many people are talking really good things about your brand or talking really bad things about your brand. But I think it adds on to a person being sold. So if someone went on your website, let's say I recommended you a product for this microphone. I'm like, hey, this is the best microphone ever. You go on the website, the website looks like shit. They don't have any good branding. Everything's inconsistent. Like you said, the first email I get isn't good. It's like, okay, maybe it's a little suspect. You know, it's a lot more pushing that's needed on the person that recommended it 
for you to buy it. Like, dude, trust me, the website's shit, but like, you gotta get it. Like, I have to keep selling you on it in order for you to buy it. Whereas if you went on it, the website's clean, the branding's on point, everything through and through from visit to email to order confirmed to you getting it and unboxing it is such a seamless process to where that wouldn't have been possible without branding. Yes, exactly. And there's even some products, like I said before, in an oversaturated market, that their branding is the reason that they sell. Like um, one of my favorite clients that we are constantly doing work with is It's Paradise. And they sell Hawaiian candles. And it's like each candle is a custom label for the designated spot in Hawaii. And they're only sold in those locations. And the reason that it works so well is solely because of the labels and the brand design. Because that's what gives the candle value. If it didn't have the label and the design behind it, it would just be a little eight ounce regular candle. There, there wouldn't be any selling point. So sometimes the branding and the design that you go for is your entire selling point and is the reason that your brand will be successful. Yeah. And I think that product design, which you specialize in as well, is one of those things that is kind of underutilized, especially in, I guess, sensory type products like candles. And we've, we've had this discussion before where I think we got like Zevias or, um, or the ghost energy drinks and we'd pour it in a glass and it's just clear there's no like color or anything so because we usually drink it out of a can and the it's a completely different feeling of drinking it out of a glass versus out of the can because you don't see that package design immediately it's almost like you still have that same exact candle from hawaii that you know represents these mountains or these beaches but it doesn't feel the same way if it didn't have that package design that reminds you of those beaches or those mountains yeah and your color especially with like products like drinks, your color to taste has a really tight sink to it. So when you're drinking, like let's say it's blue raspberry, the packaging's blue. And so your brain associates like, yes, this tastes like blue raspberry. But if I was to give you the same thing in a glass with just, and it's clear because there's no coloring in it, you wouldn't necessarily come to the conclusion that it's blue raspberry. It tastes berry-ish, it's, but it's not blue or raspberry. It's not blue raspberry, you know? It's just like, this is sparkling berries, but it doesn't have like that wow and that amazing, like, look at this cool packaging. Like, look at what I'm drinking. Yeah. It has a completely different, like, emotional connection to it. Yeah, exactly. Let's say if I were to start a brand today, right, what would you say are like the three biggest things I should focus on, on the branding side of things on the business? that I could implement right away that would help me do better than, you know, 80% of the businesses out there without branding? Honestly, when you're starting in the beginning, you don't need to get complicated at all. But the best ways to build up a really strong personality, you need a logo, of course, uh, a color palette. But the biggest thing that I see is icons. When you have branded icons and graphics, they can completely change the way that your brand is seen. So, there's two kinds of graphics and icons. There's ones that show you your specialties, essentially like we're, we have the fastest delivery or, you know, something like that. We're homemade. You know, those kind of icons that you see or like shift worldwide. And then you have the other ones that are about your brand personality, like a Jobby Coffee. I was talking with them the other day and I'm like, you don't really make your brand stand out is if you had icons of like girls with flowy hair, just really simple like cute icons that build up the personality and the person that you're trying to reach with it. So if you're going for like 
aesthetic girls, you want to go maybe things with plants, maybe things with cute cats, they like their coffee. You find things that they connect to and build your brand around those things. Even if it's like you're selling coffee, but all your icons are like plants. That will still sell because you're reaching those people who attentive to that and that builds up the personality behind it. Um, another thing is just having all that. Um, social media is really important and pretty easy to put together. Honestly, you can just go to like creative market when you're beginning and just get some templates to start out because that has flexibility. So you can always adjust it and refine it as you go, but it gives you a solid foundation. And then something to transfer over to your website. So you just need to make sure that whatever social media templates you're using, that you have the same shapes used on your website. If you're using arches, keep arches the same. If you're using squares, keep squares the same. And they'll just build a really simple consistency between everything. Yeah, the icons are such a game changer. I think that no one utilizes, or at least in the beginning stages, no one utilizes because it really adds that nice, like, it's that last 10% touch of like, okay, this is a, a complete brand because everything from the website to the font to the imagery that they use to the even even to the icons they have a very consistent experience and i've seen this especially with my clients as well on the email side where they had branded icons and it's like night and day compared to not having branded icons and you offer that as well right in your branding services yes and it also really helps with package design because you use those icons you can make brand patterns you can make stickers out of them. You can make t-shirts. Packaging tape. Packaging tape. You can turn low icons into hats, any merch. So even if you're selling a seltzer, if you have really strong branding, like Ourobora has really cute characters on their packaging, they could very easily just put that on a shirt and it would sell. Yep. Because the branding's so good that, and they have these cute little icons. The characters have a personality to them and each drink has a personality. It does. And it makes it way more appealing to drink too. And versatile. They could have limited drops, so like limited sweatshirts or limited hats. And even though it's not their main product, it will sell. Yeah, 100%. Now, to transition out of branding and into icons and, and all that and into your other business, I know we just redid the website for the rug dealer, therugdealer.co. And we did, a, you made a bunch of customized icons for the website. So, Weird segue, weird transition, but you also have a secondary business, which is custom rugs for businesses, client gifts, uh, as well as just people that want to get a custom rug. How did you even land into that? Well, I was an art student and I learned how to make rugs. So I knew how to make rugs before I knew how to do branding, ironically enough, but I didn't know anything in between. So it was like almost like eight months after I started my branding business, we actually had a friend who wanted his tattoo to get tufted. So we got all the supplies together and set it all back up. And we ended up going to an event. Yes. And so we made some rugs for some friends at that event. And we I made just... rugs for Nick Shackelford at Decal. <laughs> We're going to name drop. Okay. <laughs> you can name drop. Okay. I'll name drop. Um, anyways, we ended up doing some cold outreach just reaching out to people in the space to see if they wanted to do it for client gifts for christmas yeah and that is where we end up getting the major order yeah from four media from eddie maloof <laughs> yes just to set the landscape of what tufting rugs looks like now tufting did not exist 
until 2020, until lockdown. It became a fad, it blew up on TikTok, and then it died out. So anyone who's done it has only done it for two to three years. It's pretty brand new. It's brand new. And you're looking at people who only know how to be artists. They don't know how to be business owners. They're just like me a year ago. And so they don't know about branding. They don't know about ads. They don't know about profit margins. They don't know what to sell their things for. And they're just making things for fun. You know, you have some people that are really popular. And so I kind of took this opportunity. I'm like, I know how to do everything. So we're going to do this right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know how to do a better mentality. <laughs> yes. It's like, let's build this up. Um, t- like ski masks are very popular in the tufting community. I couldn't tell you why. It's a weird demographic. Well, you have one. But I have one. So I wanted to make it different. So mine actually has like little ear nubs on it. Yeah. Um, not quite a bunny, not quite a cat, but different enough to stand out. And then I made all my branding around that. So the name The Rug Dealer is the tie between making a deal with the devil and like drug dealer. Yeah. So I'm making deals regardless. We're making deals. And so we kind of want to tie that in like aesthetically wise. I want to make it like deal with the devil, like fun, playful. And then with the like drug dealer side. I am very big on negotiations, which is why I mainly work in bulk orders because I'm very flexible. So whether you need it for like an event or you need it for clients, whatever the deal is, I will make it so it works for you. Whether that's X amount of rugs per month that we do like rolling, so that way I can reach orders, whether it's a special one-time gift, that's where that main part of the personality of the brand comes in. So it was a pretty explosive start, I'll tell you that much. Is seeing someone see their third bedroom transform into a studio over the course of a month and a half, you know, it was what, like one rug in October and then we made five in November because, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's one in October for Brian, five in November, which was like the two Hydra rugs, the Lee Jolt rug, and then the four, five, rug. three, and four, five, three, Nick, and then Dean from D2C paid ads. So we made those in November. So it was like six or seven. Mm-hmm. And then with Eddie, it was like 56. Yeah. It was like 56 in December and like the first week of January. Yeah. And then we had... Agency founders. Agency founders. So we did those for the speakers. And then after that, we did stuff for Eric from Ed Alchemy and then Jordan from New Reach. Yeah. And then we just delivered the Wildcat rug. Yes. From the YouTuber. So, yeah, it's been pretty explosive, I'd say, if anything. I guess, what's, like, the biggest thing you learned from seeing... You're obviously not, like, growing to a point where, like, it's unsustainable. It was unsustainable to do the four media rugs, but um, we, you've kind of dialed it back in, increased the prices. I guess over the last two months, which is where most of the growth has happened, what have you learned? Um, I learned a lot about quality. So you learn a lot about how to make a rug a lot better when you're making a lot of them back to back. So after every batch, we'd make minor changes and adjustments just to ensure that there's quality. So now we go through like five times the amount of yarn that we did before, just making it so much more denser. Um, The quality has upgraded. The trimming has upgraded. I think that's the main takeaways. Updating the website has been a big step. The kinds of partnerships and way to angle it, I suppose. Gifting strategies, because that's the biggest one that 
we've gotten right is just the gifting we're kind of locked in on the gifting side yeah because they make fantastic gifts and the best part about it is that even though we're making it gifts for people in bulk every rough that we give someone is technically another outreach so since we're focusing on a lot of agencies when we're giving it to their clients who are brands we also have another intro with them to see if they want to do rugs because we also do them for limited drops for brands so with the gifting method, it's almost like we're paid to do outreach. Well, yeah, you've done so much from, like, you've gotten a few orders just purely because of the rugs from a previous badge. Like, you've had an agency reach, well, yeah, Jordan from New Reach got it because of the Eddie order. And then also another uh, business in New York, forgot their name. NYC Wheel Professionals. NYC Wheel Professionals reached out to you to order one. Um, and then obviously there's a few other ones that we just used our personal network to get, but for the most part, like we're, you're still getting orders because of the great first impression you get as the gift. And you're like, shit, I want this for my friends or I want this for my clients. Yeah. And it also helps that when we first got the order of 60 rugs, we are like, wow, these are going out to some pretty big names. So we need to make this the best impression as possible. And we just made the unboxing experience the best that we possibly could like red ribbon we used like all black wrapping with the contrast of the red ribbon with the customized sticker we had black envelopes with wax stamps just to like fully send it so when people get this it feels real and it feels high quality because that's the first impression that you want everyone to have yeah absolutely and obviously it's like okay you got the rug, you got the yarn, you got all these materials coming in, as well as all the unboxing. I know the way that we price things is way above market for obvious reasons. I think if anything, we're the most expensive custom rug makers on the market because I think just the quality speaks for itself. But number two is there's, correct who said the, the quote, there's no real advantage to being the second highest priced brand on, on the market. There is an advantage to being the first highest price because people are going to be wondering why is it so high priced there's something about it but can you walk me through why you decided to price the rugs the way that you do so the reason i went with such a high price is because this is art this isn't something that can be manufactured i can't go overseas with it because of how meticulous i am about my process i'm very religious about the work that i put in and the quality that i actually create things with that I could never trust someone else to do it. So yes. actually, yet, I'm actually in the process of finding someone to hire so I can start training them in-house. Because since I can't go overseas, because I could find some manufacturer in China or Indonesia who just makes tufted rugs, I can't guarantee any of the quality and that completely loses all the leverage that I have. The turnaround time too, like, you know, if you order, a, if someone would custom order a rug right now, you'd have to contact the manufacturer in China or India. Then it would take them another week to get it or to get it done. And then it's another two to three weeks of shipping. And then it's another week for you to ship it because you were going to probably package it up yourself because why would the, and also look over the quality. You're looking at like a month and a half to just get a rug done for what, like 50% cheaper? Yeah, like the margins are there, but at the same time, the time isn't, as well as the quality may not be. Yeah, and the double shipping, double. and the possible shipping it back. And it just ends up being way more of a headache 
So the overall growth strategy is keeping the high price margin because it is an artisan kind of gift. It's not something that you're going to give your clients and could be like, oh, I could have ordered this myself. It's like, whoa, this is artisan crafted custom for me. And that has such a much stronger impression on your customers, on your friends, on anyone that you're giving it to. It's a lot stronger. So the price point is there for that reason. And the overall growth strategy, I think we're kind of heading in is everyone has to choose. Do you want to be an artist or do you want to be a business owner? And I'm going to choose both. Okay. Um, for the simple fact of I like making rugs, but I know I can train a team to do it the way I do it, but it would have to be in person so I can fix it. Like learning from a master. Slow growth. Yes. Slow growth. I can start with like one person, train them up and then build the team so they can handle fulfillment. And then I want to go back to being the artist of being able to actually push the boundaries that you can do with tufting, where you can make like 3D sculptures with it. You can tuft a table, you can make a shirt, you can make a jacket, you know. You can literally tuft anything into existence. So the overall goal is to kind of build up the team so they can handle bulk order fulfillments. And then I can actually start a YouTube channel or start making content around pushing the limits of it, which is going to give you that flywheel effect of YouTube channel brings in new people to see what I can do. You know, team does fulfillment. The more the team fulfills, brings people back. And it, as it builds momentum, it's going to keep speeding things up. And it's not the fastest process. Obviously, we've grown very fast in a very short period of time, but it's not a straight up yeah. kind of growth. So I think building slowly, building it the right way is more important than just trying to speed grow as fast as possible and let everything else slip. Yeah, it was already chaotic as it is, you know, during Christmas time last year where it was cool to get that grind out. But at the same time, it was a good reflection period of like, shit, I don't want to do this again. How do we minimize? Or how do we mitigate us spending time doing this all the time to where okay, we can leverage employees, have better pricing in the market, and at the same time provide a quality product because right now there's really no, we don't see any custom tufting brands or even individuals that have a team in place. It's just them doing it themselves and they're making money off that. And yeah, they have like a few thousand dollars left over for like a studio or whatever, but it's not scaled up like a business, which is what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly. That's also why my main focus is on brands and agencies, because I actually want the bulk orders, because that's actually how you can build consistency. If you have like, if you know that one brand needs 10 rugs a month, I know I have revenue for 10 rugs a month. Great. Now I know how much I need to pay the person who's doing it. I need, I know how many hours they need. I know how much my spend on materials is, and I can actually break that all down. It's a lot harder to track that on individual orders. And lifetime value isn't there because you're constantly trying to find another individual to buy your rug instead of having one individual buy 10 rugs yep. on average. That's a lot better than one person is one rug because it's a lot harder to gain that kind of traction. It's already hard enough as it is to sell a person on a rug, especially being the premium price that you and I charge. But if you can have one person buy 10 rugs and consistently order, let's say if they get a new client, they would send them out as a client gift. You know, that's a whole different story because then you have this person consistently ordering a rug. Even if it's like once a month, that's what, like 12 rugs a year, which is 
you know, at our price at 500 bucks minimum, that's 6,000 bucks. It pays itself off in the end. And the, the business model and the pricing model is actually made so the more you order, the more you save to make it worth that. And we are very flexible in like negotiating depending on the situation. Like if you order X amount, then every rug after that for onboarding clients, like we can customize that um, and kind of stuff, get you in a deal that works best for you, depending on how many rugs you're going to need now versus how many you're going to need in the future. Because in the end, we're all about building partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good way to close this podcast off. So for everyone that's listening, where is the best place to find you and either order a rug from you or work on branding with you? Well, for my branding, um, Instagram is GoBirdie. Website is GoBirdie.com. For the TheRugDealer.co, it's the same for everything. The TheRugDealer.co for Instagram, for TikTok, for the website, anything you want to see, that's where you find me. Fantastic. It was a pleasure having you on, Rachel, and uh, I'll see you in the next one. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers, and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.